This is the Railroad Study Show with Gid and Aaron. I'm your host, Aaron Buckley. We have a special guest with us. Um, I'm special. Hello. Our good friend, Micah. And of course, we also have Gideon. Hi. So we will be continuing with Long Island Railroad history part two now. So basically quick recap from last episode. So first in 1832, there was the Brooklyn Jamaica Railroad that was chartered to go from Brooklyn to Jamaica. They hired this guy, Major D.B. Douglas to survey the line. And he was like, ah, Jamaica's nice and all, but they should go to Boston. And so he got a, a group of investors together and they created the Long Island Railroad. They built a main line all the way to Greenport, where you could take a ferry to the other side and then another train to Boston. This made sense at the time because they believed it was impossible to build a railroad along the Connecticut coast. However, by the time they finally opened this thing in 1844, they only got four years in before uh, the New York and New Haven Railroad went along and completed the impossible all-land route. And then... Just two years later, on March 4th, 1850, they entered receivership for mm. the first time. Not the last time, the first time. Um, oh, it won't be the last time. It won't be the last time at all. They made it, they managed to make it out by the next year without foreclosure. So don't worry about it. There's still an LIRR, but. <laughs> <laughs> but this, this was almost it for them, you know? Um, were they, they 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 were duct taping seats back then too, right? <laughs> Whatever the nineteenth century equivalent of duct tape was, <laughs> horse heel glue. <laughs> I feel like they probably had masking tape back then. <laughs> masking leather. <laughs> Bold of you to assume seats have been invented yet, monster. You will stand. So now they were just like, oh, fuck, what are we going to do with this? The thing is, they had built this line rather than go through the parts of Long Island where people actually lived. They built it through the great Long Island Prairie and the hard oak scrub and pine barrens because that was the cheapest and they could build like a nice straight fast route that way because the goal was to get people to Boston. And this quote I have here is, the railroad made it plain that had not been built for the sake of the island, but as a means to an end. So you have this main line, and it goes from South Ferry in Brooklyn up Atlantic Street, which is now Atlantic Avenue, through the Cobble Hill Tunnel, and then east to Jamaica, then all the way through Mineola and Hempstead to Greenport. Well, um... Uh-oh. The Cobble Hill Tunnel opened at first, much like the tunnel that came after it. Well, the two tunnels that came after it in Manhattan um, opened first as a graded cut in the street. Mm. There was just this 20-foot hole in Atlantic Street for the first, uh, I think, five, four or so. Not very long, but mm. a couple years for sure, that horse-drawn carriages just ran through to South Ferry in Brooklyn on. <laughs> Which is really funny because if you've ever been to that area and you, or you're familiar with the way it looks, you, you realize it really hasn't changed that much mm -mm. since those days. Mm. I'm there right now. <laughs> oh, 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 wow. 
crazy technology. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, I- I'm sure there are a couple hipster hives, but like the area on, like on Atlantic Avenue and to its immediate south is very, I think it's a historic neighborhood. So just imagining this big old trench in the street is fun. Okay, so way out east, there's St. George's Manor. So I don't know if you remember, the area was called Punk's Hole, but the Long Island Railroad decided that they didn't like that name and they were going to put a station there for refreshment for their Boston passengers and they wanted to make it sound nice. So they revived this name from a colonial property called St. George's Manor, um, which had been in that area. But the legend is that the first station master there this man, Seth Rayner, had been a soldier in the Revolutionary War. Uh, so Ooh. I ran the math. If this is true, he would have had to been in his 80s or 90s when the station opened. Oh, wow. Um, I'm not saying it's not true, but uh, take it with a grain of salt. Anyways. Believe what the man means to say is, if you believe it, he's got a bridge to sell you. <laughs> So anyway, having fought in the Revolutionary War, he was a diehard patriot and hated all things English. Sorry, Gideon. And since St. George is the patron saint of England, he painted over that portion of the station's name on the sign, leaving it as just manner. Has New York always been this petty? I see where Long Island gets it. I am a New Yorker. So I would like to say, God, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah eventually a village springed up around manor station called manorville and in 1910 they changed the name of the station to manorville and that's what it was called until they closed it in 1968 village is still called manorville uh, you can go to the place where the train station used to be, which used to be a pretty important station once upon a time. And there's an old tavern hotel in there that's just a restaurant now. That uh, dude woke up and he said, yo, one day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be so petty that my legacy is going to last 200 years. <laughs> So the LIR need to deal with this whole useless mainline issue. So they decided to like entice settlers, you know, advertising it that they could be pioneers on the Long Island Prairie and the the scrub oak and pine barrens. And they even got like some scientists to advertise like Hmm. how suitable the land was for farming. But well, people weren't really that interested in settling in the prairies and like further east in the the forest where the good farmland was it was just like would have been a lot of work to clear the forest and there were frequent forest fires at the time due to the steam engines on the line shooting up cinders (laughs) so people didn't really want to settle there um, but there were a few small communities that established uh, most of them are pretty boring so I'm not really going to talk about them But there's one that's pretty interesting that started in 1851 as like an experiment in communal utopic living. They settled just east of Thompson Station and they decided to name their village Modern Times. (laughs) Uh, If you couldn't tell, Long Island has had a monopoly on being boring for quite some time. (laughs) Uh, 
anyway, the project failed. And so they just gave up and like decided to just turn into a regular village and they named it Brentwood. And it, it's still called that. <laughs> There's still a station there. Okay, okay, okay. I have a question. Just 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 as as the foreigner from Chicago, Brentwood Station, have we left New York limits yet? Yeah, yeah, that's oh Brentwood Station is in Suffolk County. It's far. Is it is it is it Patchogue? Past Patchogue? It's west of Patrog, but Patrog's also on the South Shore, so the, the main line is, like, inland. Okay, I see. So, okay, when you have a useless main line, what do you do? Just a, a quick question. You make lobster restaurants, and then you become <laughs> successful. No, you build branches, is what you do. Oh, um, so, Dang it. so, the obvious branch to build would be to Sag Harbor. Right, because in the original charter for the Long Island Railroad, it said that they could build a line to Greenport and or Sag Harbor. Well, in the 1830s, when it was chartered, um, Sag Harbor was kind of at its peak in its development because it was the center of the Long Island whaling industry. At 1850, we're a little bit past that point, but it's still kind of in its heyday. It's like the most important village on the east end of Long Island. And people in Sag Harbor were pretty mad when the LIR opted instead to build to, to Greenport because it was on Greenport's on the North Fork, so it was easier to, to get a boat across the sound from there. The, the LIR considered building a branch from Riverhead Station to Sag Harbor and the Hamptons, but they decided it was too expensive and were like, decided to just put it off for the time being. Eventually there would be one, but for now they were just like, no, it's too expensive. So the actual first branch they build at this point, excluding the little Hempstead branch that I mentioned in the previous episode, is what's now the Port Jefferson branch, which they organized as the Hicksville and Cold Spring Railroad, built from Hicksville to Cold Spring. And by 1854, they had reached Syosset. And even though they had the right of way all purchased and surveyed as far as Cold Spring, they ran out of money. So they just didn't build past Syosset for a long time. And like the Brooklyn, Jamaica, the, the LIR technically leased the line. They ran their trains onto it. So Long Islanders were at this point starting to get pretty fed up with waiting around for the LIR to like to build a branch to them eventually so they decided to come up with their own railroad the first one we get in 1852 is the flushing railroad company and their line opened in 1854 from main street in flushing village to hunter's point which is lion city uh, where you could take a ferry to, to new york city and in 1859 it gets taken over by oliver charlick uh, keep his name in mind. He'll be important later. What? What do you mean the meeting will end in 10 minutes? Oliver Charlick doesn't like you talking about him. Uh, if the meeting ends, we'll, we'll just start up again because you could do that. <laughs> you know what else we can do? We could build a new branch line. It's true. And he renamed it the New York and Flushing Railroad. Not that that's that important. That would eventually become today's Port Washington branch, which is David Harris's line. <laughs> If you're Davis, David Harris, we have to say hi. True. Hi, David Harris. Hi, David Harris. Hello. We love you. Micah, I told you about David. He's the guy who says hi to us. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So anyway, 
1860, the Long Islanders living on the South Shore, which, you know, is one of these places where there's actually like a, a decent amount of people living. They decide to form their own line, their own South Shore line. So I thought, Gideon, you might find that nice. If they don't live in Indiana, it doesn't count. Look, I understand that Long Island likes to cosplay Indiana with corn, pine trees, and racism. <laughs> but if they aren't west of the river, they're they're imposter. And I, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't condone that behavior. I just, well, I just can't. This line, it, it never took off because the, the Civil War got in the way. Oh, um, man. Uh, eventually, there would be a South Shore Railroad, but that's in the next section. All right. So now we move on to Brooklyn. So these are the early days of railroading when trains were not super safe yet. Right. There'd been a lot of really bad disasters on other railroads. Um, it was a, a work in progress. And even though the LIRR, believe it or not, had at this point an impeccable safety rate record, the powerful canal and stagecoach interests decided to spread anti-rail propaganda against the LIRR and other railroads, of course. At the time, you know, talking about how dangerous trains were and we should all just stick to canals and stagecoaches. You know, man wasn't meant to travel faster than 15 miles an hour. <laughs> um, so they decided that the best place to distribute their pamphlets was in Brooklyn because it's, you know, densely populated. You have trains running on Atlantic Street itself, once they come out of the, the tunnel with the, the steam dummy locomotives, going 12 miles an hour on the street. And so they were able to convince the public that it was how scary and dangerous this was. And they were successful enough that the city of Brooklyn banned steam engines from operating within city um. limits. So in this case, this is the old city of Brooklyn. Um, so steam was allowed past the present Atlantic Terminal, um, down Atlantic Street, but they had to stop at a point that today translates to, I believe it's Third Avenue, mm. at which point they had to hitch up the horse. Not helping things is that neighborhood is called Cobble Hill. It is steep. As we established, it was a, a work in progress, this whole, um, this whole iron horse thing. And um, it, it made those sorts of grades kind of challenging with, uh, you know, breaks. So that was a fun part, too. Um, not a very neat operation, to say the least. And remember, at this point, the LIR is leasing from the Brooklyn and Jamaica, which ran their own horse cars on the street. The LIR just kind of threw their hands in the air and were like, you know what? Everyone's going to just have to get off at East New York Station and get on a Brooklyn and Jamaica horse car the rest of the way. And they decided to build a new main line to Hunter's Point instead, which is the, the current main line. So they create the New York and Jamaica Railroad to build that line, and then they just buy it. But anyway, this means that they bricked up the Cobble Hill Tunnel, and it got sort of 
forgotten about for a long time until one student at Brooklyn Technical High School in the 70s, Bob Diamond, did some research, found out about it, and decided to just climb down a manhole in the middle of Atlantic Avenue. So part of the reason I wanted to have Micah as a guest is because he can tell us all about this tunnel. Can you go there now? Um, uh, so <laughs> the manhole is still there. I can't even tell you which manhole it is. Someone who, uh, who is very near and dear to our hearts, Jeremy, has actually been in that manhole. Not me, though. But, um, no, you cannot go into the tunnel because, uh, remember when we established that people on Long Island are petty? It does to remember that even though in most normal conversational usage, the term Long Island excludes Queens and Brooklyn, they are still part of Long Island. You guys are on thin ice. <laughs> um, anyway, um, they built this trench because, um, because of the steep grade down, as I mentioned before, right, bad breaks. Um, the old Eastern Terminal, when they were leasing from the Brooklyn Jamaica Railroad, was, um, it didn't go down to the water, actually. I think it stopped, um, I want to say it stopped at Clinton Street. Mm. I would have to go back and read again. Um, and then you took like a normal stagecoach to, to South Ferry, which was at the water, at Atlantic Street, um, by where, um, you know, the entrance to the Brooklyn Queens Expressway is. But yes, when they got permission to put the trench in Atlantic Street, they were actually for the first time able to build all the way up to South Ferry. Then they bricked it over, and it was the first subway in um, the city. It's the first, like, underground rail tunnel in the world, from what I read. That sounds about right. Or, like, um, under it, city street, maybe. It, it had these cool concrete brick tunnels in the street when it was roofed over. And it was really cool for about 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> then Long Island Railroad said screw you, we're building our own main line. And she was bricked up. Um, and it became the subject of many urban legends. Uh, Walt, Whit Walt Whitman wrote about it. Oh, also, when they bricked it up, the cool brick vents that I told you about, do you know what they did to those brick vents? Any guesses? Did they just cover them over and cover it? And uh, no. That would be a little bit too simple. First, they smashed them. Um, as found by Bob Diamond, there were just intermittent piles of masonry sitting on the floor where they smashed these chimneys in before paving them over. Very high-class tunnel ceiling. So, like, does the tunnel, like, still exist today? Like, It, it does. If you were brave enough, I mean, the access is in the middle of Atlantic Avenue. Someone would hear you and someone would see you. But yeah, you could get in. Now, if someone were to wear a hard hat and a high-vis vest and put up some cones around the manhole. Yes, cones. Um, it, it would probably work until someone from the DOT finds out. Yeah. Which is <laughs> uh, actually the reason why you can't go in there anymore. Basically... Um, if I'm remembering this correctly, the History Channel did a documentary about the Atlantic Tunnel and 
okay, so, you know, it's a history, it's the history channel. So they report like, you know, history, but you know how sometimes there kind of has to be a bad guy. Yeah. Well, they may or may not have not made the NYC DOT seem like, you know, the most forthright ally of this discovery, which resulted in them revoking Bob Diamond's permits, which is a tragedy because there is something else about the Atlantic Avenue tunnel that um, is worth mentioning. It's long been the subject of like whimsy and urban legends. Like, you know, there were spies at one point, there were bootleggers at one point, One consistent myth about the Atlantic Avenue Tunnel is that one of the LIRR's old-style steam locomotives, one or two of them, has been bricked up inside the tunnel at the end of it. The reason why I bring this up is because it was at the very end, at the far end, you know, the end close to the water. And when Bob Diamond got into the tunnel, it was from... The East End. Um, it's going inside the tunnel. It just ends at a big old bulkhead towards the West End. No one has ever been behind it. And now no one is allowed to go into the tunnel to find out what's behind it. Why would but, you tell me this? Why shouldn't I tell you this? Are you going to go do something stupid, Gideon? I'm about to play Minecraft. I'm going to tell you. Take actual Atlantic <laughs> Avenue. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> but um, the re- we have technology. It's okay. People with magnometers have determined that there is a large object located underneath Atlantic Avenue and Hicks Street, concentrating the Earth's magnetic field beneath the street. No one has obtained a sample of this object, but based on this alone, you can guess that it is some sort of magnetic substance iron, perhaps, the dimensions seem to roughly approximate that of an old steam locomotive. Okay, the road study shows being too deep for <laughs> Too I mean, deep? I mean... Too deep? <laughs> it's quite shallow, actually. It can't be more than 20 feet underneath the surface. They don't know what they're walking under. And they, they won't know because the DOT is petty. So the plan is simple. One of us has to run for New York governor, if you two people can, and then you'll have you'll have the inauguration party in the tunnel <laughs> when you when you uh, when you attain political influence. Um, bring that up to Jeremy if he ever becomes a guest host. <laughs> <laughs> so we've mentioned that. That was the police. They just arrested Micah. <laughs> the police, right? Anyhow. You've revealed too much. Um, But as I was saying, not only is the DOT incredibly petty, but so is Bob Diamond. Takes two to tango. That beautiful petty dance. He is an interesting character. This was basically his big break in life was discovering this tunnel when he was in high school. And so he kind of peaked then and like became really how do i put this he's very he's very stubborn and he basically he does he does not he will not let you criticize him um is is this the banker for barclays no 
He currently lives with his mother in Bayonne, um, New Jersey. Um, (laughs) So in addition to this tunnel, he purchased three PCC streetcars that were in very rough shape and basically took it upon himself to like refurbish them. And he had this whole plan of having these streetcars run through the tunnel and then like, you know, onto the streets down to Red Hook. And the DOT had, you know, cooperated with him for a while and they let him lay down a little bit of track in Red Hook and some uh, trolley wire also. And he managed to refurbish one of the PCC streetcars and the other two were just like sitting there in rough shape. He like almost completely refurbished it by himself pretty much with his own money and handiwork basically. But yeah, when uh, the DOT ended their their niceness with him in 2010 after, you know, History Channel shenanigans and they told him that he couldn't give tours in the tunnel anymore, uh, they also decided to kill his um, streetcar project. They ripped up the tracks. For a while, there was one streetcar left and Red Hook, the, the one that he like pretty much almost finished refurbishing, but that is gone now also, sadly. Where'd it go? I don't know. I have no idea. I just know it's not there anymore. It's been removed from the premises. At some point in the future, all these people will be dead and someone will go into the Atlantic Tunnel, not Gideon, remove the final bulwark, and unearth the underground portion of the South Ferry Depot. And then we'll find out precisely what that large iron object is and what shape it's in. What's creating all that magnetic interference? Either it's definitely either a locomotive or a ton of ghosts. It would be a lot of ghosts and they have to be very, very angry. (laughs) To be that pissed for 200 years? Then again, I'm pretty sure if you locked me in um, a tunnel for at this point 250 years. And smashed all the the air vents too. My petty ghost would be absolutely livid. And of course they'd be petty. They're from Long Island. They're going to be dense. They're going to trip off some instruments. I'd be... Um, no, but honestly speaking, I'm making jokes about this. But um, I don't want know what the local water table is like. But um, from what I understand, the Atlantic Tunnel, the portion that's been explored, is an impeccable shape. If this locomotive was able to be kept relatively dry and still air for so long, this is a tremendous piece of history that we're missing out on because of a petty feud between two people. One of whom lives in his mom's house in New Jersey. The other one who doesn't even work for the DOT anymore. I guess if I could, if this is the closest to any sort of platform that I ever receive, I would just say, come on, do not even do it for the foamers. <laughs> do it for the historians. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is that things do things do change at times. I, I think, you know, hopefully, you know, things will change to where this could be explored more. Um, I just hope that doesn't come too late. You know, you know who should give tours of it? Not Bob Diamond. The trans Max Diamond? No. 
Well, that would be good too. I was just gonna say <laughs> the transit museum. They're not that far away, you know? Weren't the toys administered with the transit museum? Isn't that how Jeremy ended up on one? Uh, I don't know if it was with the transit museum. I, I had always thought that it was like just Bob Diamond and he had like this sort of loose agreement with the DOT that they, they let him do this. Has Jeremy seen this tunnel? With- yes. Jeremy is what you would call a primary resource for this tunnel. It is critical that I go to New York immediately. I'll be packing my bags. Expect me tomorrow, Aaron. <laughs> Jeremy doesn't live in New York. Oh, no. Well, I'll be interviewing him nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> I just get a message at 6 a.m. tomorrow from you. It says, come over to Terminal B at LaGuardia. I'm here. <laughs> no, I'd be petty enough to walk to your house and knock on the door. <laughs> Don't mind the pickaxes in the bag. <laughs> I feel like that would go over splendidly poorly. Rather than rather than knock on the door, you take the, the pickaxe and you just like knock a hole in the wall by my bedroom. Here's Johnny. I do live on the first floor. Ooh, <laughs> that's not New York living at all. Dreadful. To those outside the city who watch this, living on the first floor means that um you live with the stray bullets. Uh, crackheads on the corner, um, and most importantly, the rats. Gotta live three and above. That's New York living. Living on the floor means that you're based, literally, on the foundation. At least where we live in Queens, we don't have so many of those issues. Wait until they put up a hipster hive. You'll wonder where they came from. What we do have here is a lot of street noise. Um, we live right next to a bus line and we're very close to Northern Boulevard, which is a very busy street. Um, there are people who like to do wheelies on like quad cycles at like 2 a.m. Little dick middle, energy. Yeah, in the middle of uh, Northern Boulevard. And I sleep like a log, so like, I, I, I mean, I sleep through all of this. I don't remember why I was on my roof at like 2 or 3 a.m. I think there must have been like a lunar eclipse or something, but we went up to the roof and they, they were there. And my dad, who is not a deep sleeper, was like, see, this is what I've been complaining about. Every night this happens uh, is eye-opening. We also have a lot of lights that shine into our, our place at night. Is it the cops because you've been cursed with the cursed knowledge of the Cobble Hill Tunnel? No. For a while, they set up like a little police tower on Northern Boulevard. You could see it from the apartment, but that, that's been gone for a while. I have a question. You said that the transfer was at East New York, where you had to get on the Brooklyn and Jamaica trolley, right? Yeah. At this point, was East New York, well, hmm. I should phrase this question carefully. At this point, was East New York still a normal surface station? Or did it assume its present (laughs) offensively cursed form? It was a normal surface station at this point. Um, Yeah, just in the middle of Atlantic Avenue. Um, Okay. For those who aren't familiar with uh, East New York's layout and didn't watch the last episode, it is still a surface station, but... 
Um, at some point, they decided that Atlantic Avenue, the center lanes of Atlantic Avenue, should come up above the station. So it makes for a very cave-like station, even though it's at ground level. Okay, so just personal anecdote. I've been through the sanctioned entrance of the station exactly once. Every time I need the station now, I just go to the east end exits, uh, and not west end exits, which puts you in the middle of the street. It's not safe. Oh, no. But trust me. Um, the sanctioned entrance of the station is through a pair of staircases, one on each side, that take you into this. Uh, it's got IND tile because the station... The modern station was built by the IND. Well, by the city, really, but not the IND so much. But um, it uses the same style, but trust, it's like a cave. The entrances are sketchy. The understation mezzanine is sketchy. Oh, my God. The ticket machines are locked up. I feel like if you're worried about the virus and you've seen the station, you don't have to worry about what's in the virus or what's in the vaccine. <laughs> It's so sketchy. And fun fact, this whole mess is suspended above the Bay Ridge Branch, which passes underneath Atlantic Avenue, the L train, which is elevated at this point, the station, um, in its own very long, not lit, unventilated tunnel that features an abandoned station. You need to stop talking about these tunnels because I'm getting excited here. You don't want to be in that tunnel. <laughs> I, I, I do. I can do. tell you why you don't want to be in that tunnel. Um, it's absolutely unventilated, but it's also still active. So that means freight trains. That means when a freight train comes through, you won't be able to breathe because it's unventilated. On top of that, I've heard that the darkness in this tunnel is soupy, almost. Meaning you would need a high beam flashlight to penetrate it. On wait, top so, of that. So, wait, so freight... We, you cut out there a little bit. Can you repeat that? Yeah, freight trains pass through this tunnel? Yeah, not very oh, often, mind you, but they do. About, about once a week. No, Straight up hired. More often than that. Sex. The Bay Ridge branch gets... Um, hmm? Let me see. Uday told me the schedule because I asked him for it. Oh, uh, snap. If, if Uday said it, you know it's right. Yeah. I'm not even joking here. Um, yeah, Bay Ridge is a, a weekday, uh, it's like a a.m. job, like, every weekday. Every, what? It's afternoon, weekday afternoons, he says. Five days a week? Yeah. Wow, okay, that branch is way busier than I thought, which is funny, because I've almost never seen trains on it. Um, at any rate, yeah, no, so it's an active freight tunnel. The darkness is soupy, the air quality is terrible, and also, 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 also. So people from outside the city will sell you the story about how the city is crimey and grimy. And these stories largely haven't been true for 30 years. East New York and Brownsville are probably the two neighborhoods in the city where some of those stories might still apply. The point I'm getting at is that I do not think that these that, that tunnel that I told you is ever at any point empty or uninhabited. You get me? 
I'm just trying to take in the knowledge a lot. What I'm trying to say years. is, if you're, you you're... enter the, the Atlantic Avenue tunnel, you'll be in big municipal trouble. If you enter the East New York tunnel on the Bay Ridge branch, I think the trouble you might be in is worse, especially if you go by yourself. Don't do it. Remember, children, don't be like Gideon. <laughs> Continuing on with the history, there's not much else. Basically, I'm ending the story here in 1863, because that's when Oliver Charlock, remember from the New York and Flushing Railroad, uh, he becomes president of the LIRR. And his presidency is the most turbulent period in LIR history. So that's going to be the next episode. And I think we will finally get to meet the Chad Conrad Poppenhusen in the next one. So there's that. Mr. Poppenhusen is based in every sense of the word. I don't know who he is. Well, you're going to find out, Michael. I'm excited. So in terms of railroad news... Um, the only thing I can really think of that's happened in the past week uh, is a lot of stuff has come out about Cuomo, which is not directly related to trains. It's good news for all prospects inside our fair state. Yes, which includes trains, because Cuomo is very much a car guy. There's a chance we might be rid of him soon. I don't know if you've heard about these scandals from all the way from Indiana. I, I've been I've been hearing. We should explain the scandals for viewers that might not know about these. Yeah. Um, I'll do it because I love I love talking about this. <laughs> oh, but this might actually get me arrested by the uh, cops. Let's call them <laughs> because the cops are very pro Cuomo in this house. <laughs> so since the last episode, um, this was news to me when I found out, but apparently last December. Uh, one of Cuomo's former aides accused him of sexual harassment. Um, since the last episode dropped, not one, but two more victims have come forward um, accusing him of sexual misconduct. He made a non-apology. And the third one showed up and said, no, this is a non-apology. Also, you were being sexually improper. He's denied the allegations, but this third one is important because there are pictures of her at an event with Cuomo's hands on her face. She looks uncomfortable in the pictures, apparently, but, you know, that's circumstantial. Your Your mileage may vary, but... I saw that picture. I don't know. I just, I don't, even though this is... But Cuomo Cuomo just doesn't give me wholesome vibes. I don't know. He was originally going to have a judge that was a very close ally of his be the one to investigate these claims. Oh. (laughs) But that didn't pan out. (laughs) Um, Tish is coming. Also, there's a separate scandal where it's recently been made public that Cuomo had covered up the deaths of 15,000 nursing home patients uh, that like had died. I thought it was 8,000 for 15,000 total. It, it might be. Anyway, thousands of nursing home deaths due to COVID-19 were like, had been covered up. So that's also happening. Things are not looking good for Cuomo, which means they are looking good for us. Friendly reminder that Cuomo engineered 
the crisis that we entered around this time last year, because since he entered power almost 10 years ago, it's been austerity. He's closed and sold hospitals. Also worth noting is um, on the heels of the announcement that this cover-up had happened, he changed the infamous overnight subway shutdown. Announcing in typical Cuomo incrementalist fashion that um, the subway would instead be closed from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. as opposed to 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. Like it has been. There's your um, railroad news. This does directly affect railroads. To t- just to tie this back into more railroad stuff, by the way, it's worth noting that um, rail fans... Well, I'm not going to say rail fans because it was really more dignified, learned, important people than rail fans. We're very upset with Cuomo as recently as last month because um, last month? Mm, no, I would say more like three or four months ago because he proposed his Cuomo-fied alternative to rebuilding the Hudson tubes. Are any of you familiar with that? Is this a la L-Train slowdown? I, yes. I was going to say, wh- wh- what's the alternative? The ferry? No, no, no. No, no, no. no. Uh, instead of, uh, you know, making major structural repairs to the, like, to the bench, which carried the, the cables through the Canarsie tubes, they just put the cables on racks. That's how the they... cables on racks. You take the worst parts of the bench wall and remove them. You wrap up the rest in this epoxy, and um, you single track on nights and weekends to do this instead of a full closure like they had originally planned doing, mm-hmm. or building additional tunnels to replace the main tunnels while they're being rehabilitated as they plan to do with the north river tubes it's 2021 who needs cables anymore just power your trains through wi-fi or bluetooth sending those 750 volts dc no no gideon we can't do that that's how covid spreads (laughs) okay breaking news this isn't breaking this is just mildly breaking (laughs) crackling news uh amtrak is reportedly due to resume system-wide service by the summer which for many americans would mean the end of tri-weekly service and uh would be pretty uh pretty awesome in addition something's going on in boston i don't know quite what csx is going to split pan am southern with Norfolk Southern and Genesee, Wyoming in a very weird and convoluted deal, which I don't know quite how is legal nor how it would work. Basically, Norfolk Southern would get trackage rights into Boston from the east, and the rest of the system would be delegated to Genesee, Wyoming for short line service. It makes no sense. From the but, east? No, from the from west. What? I'm not I'm not a reputable reporter. But I mean, I assume I, I get what you mean by like the Northeast, whatever, like towards New Hampshire and Maine or whatever. But does Norfolk Southern have trackage that way? I meant I meant towards the West. Oh, towards Western New York, towards the East would be very concerning. Just into Boston Harbor. 
<laughs> yeah, Norfolk Southern. No, the original Norfolk. <laughs> um, I don't know what I hate more. Pan Am Railroad? Because they're not Pan Am. Yeah. I don't like that they use that logo. Or uh, Genesee and Wyoming. We're just going to get more pumpkins. I hate it. <laughs> Do you know Genesee and Wyoming has property in Europe, Australia, England? They used to have property in Latin America. They let that go. They let go of the Bolivian one? Yeah. Oh. I think they did. I don't know. I'll have to I'll have to think about that. But I've, I heard they let it go because they were afraid of uh, the Bolivian government. Evo Morales? Mm-hmm. Gonna nationalize that? <laughs> about time. <laughs> uh, Bolivia I, should connect its two rail networks. How far How far of a distance are they, they separated by? Uh, 10 pesos? 20 pesos? From like... Santa Cruz to Cochabamba. About 200 miles. Mm, not bad. It's definitely doable. They're all uh, the same gauge. It's all meter gauge. That is, that is a very... Oh, I do have big real news. Foreign real news. Uh, bad bad news from England. Eurostar wow. has put all of its trains on loan to continue operation. They put it down as a cloud for a loan. Their entire fleet. Is this like a Brexit? Huh? That sounds bad. They're just trying to run. They can't. They can't pay their bills. Uh, Is it because of Brexit or just because the economy and COVID or whatever? Brexit and COVID. It's just a bad situation. I I really like the Eurostar. That makes me sad. I have a fun news out from out east. They stopped serving ice cream on the Shinkansen. But what do they do with the excess supply? They sell it online. Last time they sold it online, they've been selling it every month. It sold out in 15 minutes. This ice cream is very special ice cream. They call it super hard ice cream because when you get it on the train, you can't put your fork through it. It's so frozen. You have to let it sit for 10 minutes. <laughs> it's it's so popular in Japan that it's become almost a, um, not a luxury item, but it's become a well-known brand of ice cream. Do they ship for hard ice cream to the U.S.? Oh, no. On a reefer ship. It's the only way to make it work. You have to go to Japan yourself and just try it. Try that super, oh, man. super duper but hard ice cream. Reefers exist. They only, I mean, Japan has only like, Japan has more than five people. Wait, I'll be right back. They only have like five freight cars. Yeah. Aaron has gotten up. We have two minutes left in the meeting. After this one, I think I'm going to sleep. I must go to bed as well. Uh, I Do you have any real news, Micah? Any real news? Um, yeah. Let's see. Um, I should have been more more prepared here. I guess since the last one, there's been tells about the R211. As we know, they're being manufactured. People got into the factory and were able to see them in production. That's fun. I don't think that there's been much in rail news other than that. I have with me in my hand a reefer plug. Oh my god. Where did you get that from? Well, my grandfather designed it. He was an engineer. Oh, really? Yeah. Your grandfather is why we have refrigerated goods? Uh, I mean, he didn't invent reefers, but uh, 
he designed the plugs that they would use in, on reefer ships. Maybe they're the first ones. You're I don't telling know. me you're telling me that your grandfather was so Chad that he kept the entire nation's food supply cold for decades. Yeah. Wow. He also he also designed um, gas pump handles. And when we were on like road trips, if we were somewhere with like a really old gas station, my dad would be like, "Oh, Grandpa designed this." because <laughs> he could recognize them uh i think that's gonna be the end of the recording because we're gonna get kicked off in less than a minute again okay bye and for everyone that comes after remember i was first bye micah first to get covid first to be petty first to be arrested for trying to get into the atlantic avenue tubes it was all of those yes <laughs> <laughs>